I'm Jack Kennedy, and we're here to bring you the latest in MMA. My name is Hunter Boss, and what the boss says goes. What is up, everyone? My name is Keaton McNamara, and you already know what time it is. And welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Kim McNamara and Hunter Boss. And we should have a fantastic episode for you guys today. Let's go ahead and get started with the news. UFC 281 has been officially booked for Madison Square Garden in New York, November 19th. It's going to be an amazing card. However, we don't know any of the fights yet. Who should headline Hunter? What do you think? All right, guys. I think it's time. Okay. I think it's time to release the beast. Right. I think it's John Jones versus Stipe Miocic is going to right. headline 281. Because if John Jones has come to agreement and Dana White has come to agreement, that means they had to they had to be yeah. somewhere in the middle. So I think in the middle here, they're docking a little bit of John Jones' pay, but at least he gets to headline Madison Square Garden. That's what I think the science behind this is. I also think Izzy versus Alex Pereira is going to be on that card as well. It's going to be a double headliner, double championship. And don't stop right there because I think Sean O'Malley versus Rob Font will also be on that dang, card. Rob dang. Font from New New York, so it's going to yeah. be a good card right there. Yeah. Sean O'Malley could just come out for no contest. I think that fight's going to be a good fight, and I think they both want that fight. So those three fights will be headlining 281. Well, this is epic. This is good <laughs> to hear. Um, first of all, I think Chris Weidman might be on that card. I'd really like to see that happen if it's possible. Um I'm not going to make any jokes. I like Chris Weidman. I want to see him there, okay? Shout out, Chris Weidman. Love yeah. you. Um, this is really interesting because, like like Hunter alluded to, the timing is very interesting here. And we've heard rumors of John Jones finally agreeing to actually fight someone. We've heard rumors that Dana White's agreed to something. So is it possible? I think it's as likely as it's ever been. So I'm, I like where Hunter's going with this. I do. However, I respectfully disagree with him only because I don't think we're going to see it happen. I'd like to see it happen. I just don't think Jones is going to do it. I think he's all talk, and I don't think we're going to see it happen much as I'd like to. But there is a fight I would like to see, and I think it's going to be a really, really, really big fight. And I think it's going to be a lightweight title fight. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason I say this is this. Obviously, Charles Oliveira is the people's king of the division. We've talked about this many times. He's the champion, okay? Let's let's just be honest. We know what it is. And Islam Makachev has been baying for a title shot for over a year now. You know, the Benito Dariush fight, I don't think anybody's interested in that anymore. The, the, the time that the iron was in the fire was about six or seven months ago. Let's be honest. No one, I mean, we'll watch it, but no one's going to be as intrigued by it. That's just a fact. So what do you do then? You make it for the lightweight title. You have probably one of the best stylistic matchups the lightweight division has ever seen. And if Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makachev, my oh my, is that exciting. I personally think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting divisions in the UFC. I think it's going to be one of our favorite fighters, Charles Oliveira, against one of the most dominant Islam Makachev. I love that. I love that. Um, 
So I'm going to go ahead and go with a welterweight fight for the main event. However, this fight is not going to be for a title or anything. It's going to be Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 3. I think it's going to be the main event. Um, another, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is another, like that. <laughs> another kind of timeline thing, right? Like Conor's re- almost ready to go with his leg. Nate Diaz, obviously, all the drama is looking for a fight. Finally, they're not giving him a fight. This timetable-wise makes sense for both of them. It's a fight that makes sense. They want to make this fight. Conor Nate Diaz 3 for a whole lot of money in the main event. And I have a co-headliner as well. Double welterweight, Hamzat Chimaev, Colby Covington, co-main event, make it five rounds as well. <laughs> uh, double five round, MSG. I mean, the place would be going crazy. So Talk about the press conference. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's how you headline MSG right there. I think that's the way they do it. UFC 281, stack card. Uh, either way, though. I mean, any of these, there's so many fights you can make, and I would love to see all of them. I mean... They, Hunter, we should we should combine cards, you know, make like a five fight, you know, all of the ones that we listed, the greatest card of all time. But uh, yeah, anyways, love it. Hopefully they listen to our suggestions and don't go with some random. Um, but anyways, let's move on to the best of the best. And today we have a very exciting topic that we're very excited to talk about. Um, our pound for pound top 10 non-champions and excluding Charles Oliveira because he is really the champion, even though he's not. Um, so we're going to go 10, 9, you know, through all of us like we usually do. Hunter, get us started. My number 10, starting off with a doozy, is Stipe Miacic. At I number 10? At number 10. Dang. Now, Stipe right. was a great fighter, but he's starting to get older and older. And each fight, he's looking a little bit slower and a little bit slower. I think he's great in the heavyweight division. I think his fight IQ is the best in the heavyweight division. But I think that's his only, like, best of. You know, he's not the best striker in the division. He's not the best wrestler in the division. That division is stacked right now. So to say that he is would be kind of a criminal statement. So I'm going to go number 10, Stipe Miacic. Ah, Hunter, if this was a year and a half ago, I would agree with you. But it's been too long. It's You can't – I don't see how you can have Stipe in the top 10. Oh. I, think it, I, I think it's been too long since he's fought. I do. I absolutely do. I respect the bravery of it, and you know I love Stipe, but we have to be fair about this. I mean, when you see my list, you'll understand what I mean. But I think it's a bold shout, and you know I like bold shouts, so I do respect it. So who's my number 10 then, if I'm going to be so critical of Hunter? Well, I'm going to tell you who my number 10 is. My number 10, and we're kicking this off with a bang. It's the man Jack mentioned, Hamza Chimaev. Number 10? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait till you see where I'm going. Wait till you see where I'm All right. going. All right. I mean, Chimaev for me belongs on this list. You know, he's one of the biggest stars in the welterweight division, put on one of the fights of the year against arguably the t- second or third toughest welterweight in the division in Gilbert Burns. And let's be honest, we all know Chimaev's going to be a future champion, whether it's at 70 or at 85. The guy's a beast and nobody has come, well, except for Gilbert Burns, nobody's come really close to troubling him in any meaningful way. If that kind of dominance and pressure doesn't deserve pound-for-pound status, I'm not too sure what does. For me, it's my welterweight of the MMA Island draft. It's Mr. Kamza Chimaev. Jack, what you got for us? So first off... um... Everybody, you're I'm in about store. to get pounded here. We're in store for a great episode because I can already tell our lists are going to be probably the most different than they've ever been ever before. And I am so excited. Um, at number 10, and this will be a surprise because you guys didn't have him, Tom Aspinall at number 10. 
Mm, um, he would have been my 11. <laughs> I, I, I really think this guy not only is the future at heavyweight, I think he is actually one of the best heavyweights going right now. He's so well-rounded. I wanted to put Ty Tuivasa at the number 10 spot because I love Ty Tuivasa. However, I just went with Tom Aspinall because he's such a well-rounded fighter, and I really think he is going to become probably the next steep Miocic, which I think is the best comparison I can have for him. Not necessarily I'm saying he's going to be the greatest heavyweight of all time, but I'm saying as far as skill set, fight IQ, all of that, he's so well-rounded, and he's been fighting tremendously so far, and he's far he, – he's – He's smart as far as the fights that he picks and everything like that as well. So at number 10 for me, Tom Aspinall, uh, another heavyweight for me. Um, so, yeah, I guess we're on to nine now. Very nice. Well, yeah. Keelan's number 10 is my number nine. I got comments at Chamayev at nine. I think, like Keelan said, he is one of the best welterweights we see, yeah. period. We, he is just one of the best. I think he could be the next double champion. Only reason I don't have him higher on this list is because what I saw from Gilbert Burns' fight. I, it sees, we see that there's still time to improve, even though he still just beat Gilbert Burns. I mean, he's never faced anyone in the top five. He goes and faces one of the most difficult challenges of his life and still comes out on top. So I say Hamza Chamayev is going to be one of the best fighters of all time. But just because it's so early in his career, I only have him at number nine. So number nine for the Wolf. Oh, I like how this list is shaping up, gentlemen. I like where we're going with this. My number nine, really my number nine and my number eight are interchangeable. You'll see what I mean later on whenever I reveal him. My number nine is another draft pick on my team. It's Alex Pereira. Now, the reason Alex Pereira is on my list, how many people have doubted Alex Pereira, present company included? How many of you thought that Alex Pereira would even be in this position at this point? How many of you thought that a top five would completely wipe him out of relevancy? And where is he? He's on the precipice of a title shot against Israel Adesanya and probably the biggest middleweight title fight in the last three or four years. Now, the reason I'm, I put Alex Pereira here is mostly the Sean Strickland fight. Sean Strickland was the ultimate litmus test for how good Alex Pereira really was. And what did Alex Pereira go and do? That's right, he went and knocked Sean Strickland's head into the second row. Alex Pereira is more than worthy of non-titled pound-for-pound status for me. I think he's going to give Israel Adesanya a lot of trouble when they fight, and they will fight. So for me, Alex Pereira, number nine. Interesting, interesting. I wouldn't put him there just because, I, I mean, he might be Israel Adesanya, which is a great feat, but I still don't think he's that great of a fighter. I mean, I'm still on that train, but I like it. I like it. Um. I might get eaten alive for this one. We'll see. I have Brandon Moreno at number nine. Um, I think Brandon Moreno obviously goes without saying should be on this list, at least for me. Uh, he's so well-rounded, arguably should be the champ right now between him and Figueiredo. Um, He's got a great fight coming against Kai Carter France, which I think he will win quite easily, actually, is my prediction for that fight. So well-rounded, great boxing, amazing, just overall well-rounded, great fighter, a championship level fighter in that weight class. Um, I didn't rank him higher just because I, I don't think he is as dominant as some of the other fighters on this list, which is why I ranked him a little lower. However, Brandon Moreno absolutely deserves to be on the list and I have him at number nine for me. Good shout. Good shout. Number eight. I've got Glover Teixeira. Um, I had trouble figuring out where I wanted to put Glover because his skill is fantastic. Yeah. He is dominant. You know, he wins a lot of fights and he, doesn't just win through unanimous decision like some champions might. He goes out there and finishes his opponents within within the under under five rounds, obviously. But 
Yeah, I have him at eight. I would have him higher, other than, but he's he's older now. He just lost the title, and I don't know how he's going to fare up against Yuri Prochaska in the second fight. So I've got Glover Teixeira at eight. Really nice picks. I really like those a lot. Um, <clears throat> I genuinely do. Mine number eight is Jack's number nine, which is Tom Aspinall. Um, look, I love Tom Aspinall. I think he is a fantastic fighter. I think as a heavyweight, he is the best well-rounded heavyweight that there is. I really do. You know, I am a big Cyril Gann fan, as we know, but that Francis Ngannou fight showed me that his ground game is non-existent. Francis, I still think, is there if he can be taken to the ground. But I think Tom Aspinall in every category is just an A-level fighter. And, you know, the Volkov fight proved that. You know, Volkov was his toughest test. And Aspinall beat him up for the whole round the fight lasted. You know, his fight IQ second to none. His boxing is incredible. His jiu-jitsu is elite. And overall, he is just a fantastic fighter. And I think he could be the Alex Pereira of the heavyweight division, but a better fighter. So for me, my number eight is Tom Aspinall. Love it. I love it. Great pick. Number eight. And I didn't think this was going to happen. Our first agreement today, I have Glover Teixeira as well at number eight. Kind of for the same reasons. It's weird because it, it kind of worked out that way, even though we have different lists. But Hunter, I agree with you. I think you're spot on. I think... He is a phenomenal fighter and finishes people. And I mean, he's just Glover Teixeira. One, honestly, a ridiculously legendary career. The fact that he's been around for so long, became champion, just went on this finishing run and everything. And he's just a great fighter still currently. I mean, that Yuri Prohoshka fight obviously proved that. I think a little bit for this ranking, same thing with Hunter, is my prediction for the next fight. I think Yuri Prohoshka is going to make it look a little bit easier. And I also think that will probably be the last fight of Glover Teixeira's career. So... Um, I have Glover Teixeira at eight, would be a little bit higher, but I just think he's towards the tail end of his UFC career, personally. Yeah, Glover's tough to put. But yeah. uh, my number seven is Brandon Moreno. I think um, he embodies the fight spirit. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a UFC fighter who likes to really fight as much as Brandon Moreno does. He gets in there. He looks gritty. He might be the nicest guy outside of the octagon and super sweet, nice guy, nice dude, I'm sure. But inside the octagon. He is a freaking monster, yeah. guys. He strikes, he wrestles, he grapples, he submits, he knocks people out. I mean, this guy can do it all. He's good everywhere. Um, only reason I don't have him higher is because of the high praise I have for the other athletes on this list. So number seven, I have Brandon Moreno. Guys, we have our first agreement. I agree with Hunter. I have Brandon Moreno at number seven <laughs> as well. Would you believe it? This is crazy. I all mean, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have to agree with everything Hunter said. I think Brandon Moreno is a, an amazing fighter. I think he's an even better ambassador for the sport. He's such a great guy. He's a brilliant fighter. His title win is one of the feel-good stories of the modern era. And that's not even talking to how good he is in the octagon. You know, he's had an amazing trilogy with Davies and Figueredo. Many people, myself included, thought that Brandon Moreno would just get sparked by Figueredo, and he didn't. The first fight was a pretty close draw. The second, he won. The third, he lost. But, you know, it speaks to how good Brandon Moreno is that he's made it that competitive. He's an amazing fighter. And I do agree with what Jack said. I do think that Kai Kaur France fight will be more, I do think it will be quite easy for Brandon just because I think the skill level is just a bit above. But Brandon Moreno is a brilliant fighter. And if it weren't for Davison Figueredo, Brandon Moreno would rule this division. 
Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. So we got Jan Blahovich at seven for me going light heavyweight to light heavyweight. Um, I, I am such a big fan of Jan Blahovich, even after he lost to Glover to share, which is a bit controversial that I have him above Glover in this list. However, I think a large part of that was due to the mindset of Jan Blahovich. He's coming off the win over Israel Adesanya, where he outpointed him on the feet and took him down and won. And I think he's thinking about Glover as like, okay, this is a 40 year old guy, whatever. And he completely underestimated the ground game. I think Jan Blachowicz is still one of the most dangerous light heavyweight threats on the planet. I think he is still at that championship level. There are three people at the championship level in light heavyweight, in my opinion. Obviously, Yuri, Glover, and Jan Blachowicz are the main three that are at that championship level. I think Jan Blachowicz is still at that championship level. Um, and I also personally think he's going to be the toughest test for Yuri Prohoshka whenever that fight happens. So um, Jan Blachowicz at seven for me. I'm still a big believer in him. Very nice. Very nice. Um, my number six is Max Blessed Holloway. Um, I would have had him higher, obviously, but um, the last few fights, or last fight, I should say, he just didn't look as good as he should have, I feel like, in my opinion. All of his fight to four, though, I still think he's the second best featherweight on the planet, and honestly, oh, yeah. if he moves up to lightweight, he could be the top three best lightweight on the planet. So I think there's really high praise when it comes to Max Holloway, but there's a lot of questions still needing to be answered. like what is next for max so yeah i like it i do like it a lot um my number six who is my number six i don't even know who my number six is who is my number six in all seriousness it's the man who you both have mentioned very extensively it's glover to now i admit he might be a little bit high up but there are a couple of reasons why i like glover being this high First of all, who wins a title in the modern era at 41, 42 years old? Nobody does. That kind of longevity is just fantastic, and it's borderline unheard of as well. And to beat someone like Jan Blahovich, who is no walkover by anybody's estimation for the title, is just a brilliant story, and it's an even better feel-good story as well. Plus, the other reason he's this high up is that we have someone like Yuri Prohashka who we all rate extremely highly. And Jan nearly, or Glover nearly finished him. Glover nearly finished him yeah. three or four times. Now, if that performance had been really bad, he probably would have been towards the number 10 spot. But the fact that he gave a much younger guy such a good fight, that makes him worthy of being number six for me. Glover Teixeira, you are more than worthy. Oh, yeah, no, that's a great spot for him. 100%. That's, that's definitely arguable. For me, number six, and this is our third total agreement today. I have Max Holloway as well. Um, obviously, still one of the best fighters going, one of the greatest featherweights of all time. I think what we're about to find out, Hunter, everything you said was spot on, so I'm only going to say this, which is still kind of something you already said. I think the main question is, how good was Volkanovsky's performance or was Max Holloway just a little bit slower in that fight? Because right now I lean on the edge of just Volkanovsky was that good, but we're going to find out Max Holloway's next fight, especially where his mindset's at and everything. But before this, we cannot forget what he did to Yair Rodriguez, what he did to Calvin Cater and uh, obviously the Volkanovsky fights. But before that, just massacring everybody. Um, he's an amazing fighter and I would love to see him move up to lightweight. I think that's the move. Featherweights, it looks like it's kind of done. So, but yeah, Max Holloway, phenomenal fighter. He's at number six for me. 
Yeah. Um, good shout, obviously. <laughs> but um, my number five is uh, Dustin Poirier, the man to beat Max Holloway. I probably would have had DP in this spot if it wasn't for the win over Holloway. So, uh, yeah, I think Dustin Poirier is an absolute killer. I mean, he is good everywhere. But honestly, his striking is what needs to be talked about. Um, if you're beating Conor McGregor in a striking match yeah. twice, that means that your striking has to be phenomenal. So, he carries power behind his strikes. He has great technique. His boxing's through the roof. And even his wrestling has shown to be good in, in some cases. Obviously, not against Khabib, but Khabib's a whole other beat, too. So, I have Dustin Poirier at number five. And I don't know what he's going to do next, though. That's the thing. Is he going to stay at lightweight? Is he going to stay at welterweight? Let us know in the comments what you guys think. But for me, I think he's moving uh, up to welterweight. So, yeah. Number five, Dustin Poirier. Gentlemen, we have a real shock in the cards because we have our second agreement. I have Dustin Poirier at number five as well. The boss is reading my mind. It's starting to scare me a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, Dustin Poirier, do not let the last fight fool you. The guy is still a killer, as Hunter very well said. You know, this is a guy who's been on one of the great fairy tale comebacks of anybody's career. This is a guy who seven years ago, or maybe eight years ago now, was on the verge of being cut and he came back moved up to 55 which is a very smart move and decimated the division this is a guy who was the interim champion and but for Habib Nurmagomedov and Charles Oliveira would have been a very deserving full champion as well now I'm not going to go into the McGregor fights because Hunter covered them really, really well. But, you know, make no mistake, Dustin Poirier is still the cream of the crop. There is no doubt about that. And whether it's a 170 or 155, he will still be one of the best in whatever division he fights in because he's Dustin Poirier and he brings it every single time. Now, last thing I'll say before I hand back over to Jack In the Michael Chandler confrontation, he looked a lot bigger. So I think the next move is 170. But wherever it is, Dustin Poirier will still do well. Just have no doubt about that. Yeah, no, I I love that. I love that. And Keelan, you and me got to agree on one. We both had one with Hunter or two with Mm -hmm. Hunter. So we got to get one eventually, maybe. Although we are about to get into the very controversial part of the list. Um, But so for me, number five, um, I went with Colby Covington at number five. Um, Colby is the second, well, he's one of the best welterweights on the planet. Um, he is a, a very talented fighter. Obviously. I mean, we see what he does. His wrestling is just that good. His standup, not great, but he just has an incredible cardio and incredible output that he just doesn't slow down. Um, and he arguably would be champion if Kamar Usman didn't exist. So, um, yeah, Colby, fantastic fire has to be on the list and cracks the top five for me. I like that. I like that. Colby is a tough fighter. Um, now my number four, though, boys, is Robert Whitaker. Um, I really wanted to put him higher because he is one of my favorite fighters. But I think from what he's been doing lately, I'm going to keep him at four. Yeah. Uh, Robert Whitaker is was a welterweight or middleweight champion, started in welterweight, moved up uh, after seeing a little bit of disappointment in welterweight, moved up to middleweight, just went on an absolute tear of the middleweight division killing all or not killing beating all of the best in death's row um robert whitaker then got the championship belt defended it against Ro- yoel romero i mean this man is a beast then lost to israel adesanya but he's still beating everyone as opposed to israel adesanya so i think robert whitaker is next to the best i think he would be the champion if 
the current champion wasn't there. And I think honestly, at this point in the list, I think everyone we're about to mention will be or would be champion if the current champion was not the seat. So yep. be prepared for that. Guys, I'm starting to get really, really freaked out because we agree again. Robert <laughs> Whitaker is at number four. Hunter, what are you doing? Hunter, what are you doing? You're copying me. No. <laughs> I think Hunter's following me places everywhere I go. This is mental. I yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Robert Whitaker is my number four. This is crazy. Um, before I explain why it's Robert Whitaker, I do want to make a note here as well, agreeing with Hunter. Basically, from number four down to my number one is everybody who would be champion yep. of their division, notwithstanding the current champion. So I absolutely agree with this criteria. And if you're judging by that criteria, Robert Whitaker is number four. You know, he's clearly the second best middleweight on planet Earth, arguably the best, arguably should have the title. I still think he should after that fight against um, Israel Adesanya in Houston that our boy Jack was at. Happy birthday to Jack, by the way. He was too humble to not mention it. But we do mention it because we keep it relevant on the MMA Island podcast. Anyway, back to Robert Whitaker. Um, The stats speak for themselves. The career speaks for itself. Such a skilled fighter. His wrestling, brilliant. His boxing, brilliant. You know, we all know he loves the right-left high-kick combo, yet nobody can stop it. He beat Yoel Romero twice. Have you seen Yoel Romero? The guy is terrifying. He looks like the thing from the Fantastic Four. He is absolutely terrifying to probably be in the same company as. And Robert Whitaker did that twice. One of them, I think he had a torn ACL the entire fight. You know, other a broken hand. So yeah. yeah, and a broken hand in the other one. I mean, Robert Whitaker is one tough SOB. You don't need me to tell you that. But Robert Whitaker easily is in this list and easily in the upper echelon of it. And he's more than worthy of being number four. Okay. The odds were not in our favor. However, we all have Robert Whitaker at number four. Um, pretty sure that'll be the only one. I didn't think it was going to happen. We have pretty different lists. However, it's happened. Um, and Keelan, technically, we finally have one. So, Link is uh-huh. excellent. Um, this is why we host a podcast together because, you know, we, we got one. Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm not going to add too much on. You nailed it. Robert Whitaker, unbelievable fire. Would be champ if Izzy wasn't there. I want to add that second fight against Israel Adesanya was very, very close. It was, it was a back and forth fight. Um, and honestly, if I'm being objective, I had it three to Whitaker. However, I would still give the decision to Israel Adesanya because they didn't do enough in the fifth round, if that makes sense. Um, so great fighter, one of the most technical guys you'll see. I would put him another, a guy, if we did this two years ago, who would be at the top of the list as well as Steven Thompson, someone who would just go out there and dominate every second of every fight. Wouldn't necessarily get the finish every time. So technical though. And just dominates every fight. And and honestly, Robert Whitaker and Max Holloway are in kind of in a similar spot for me, which is why I ranked them a little bit lower. Um, I put Robert Whitaker up because he's in a weird limbo spot. Like, what do you do? Because you've lost to the champ twice, but you're better than everybody else in the division. I I stand by, I think Robert Whitaker would be Alex Pereira. I, I think he would outclass him, take him down and, and all that stuff. But it's just like, you can't get another shot against Israel Adesanya where you've lost two times and they haven't been a controversial loss in either one. So it's just a weird limbo zone. However, phenomenal fighter. And again, what you guys said about this top four, about how they would probably be champion if the champion wasn't there, fully agree with you. Robert Whitaker, 
number four for me. All right. This is where I think it gets a little controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At number three, I have Cyril Gunn. Okay. Now hear me out. No one even gave him a challenge all the way to the top to heavyweight. Name one person. I can't, I can't name one person who gave him even a remote challenge at heavyweight other than the champ Francis Ngannou. Okay. Then I think if the two of them were to rematch, Cyril Gunn beats him every single time, nine out of 10 times, I think. Because here's what happens. Cyril Gunn, nobody was rest, was ready for Francis Ngannou to rest. Okay. And when you have a guy who weighs two, 80 pounds come fight day laying on top at round three, at least prepared for the wrestling match a little bit better then I think it would have been Cyril Gon's fight all the way his striking is elite he strikes like a middleweight I mean this guy's fast and he has that power still because he still finishes fighters and Ganu has no chance in the second match I'm, I'm saying it right now he has no chance so number three I got Cyril Gon Wow, that is bold. Um, you did not lie about this. And spoiler alert, we don't have the same number three. I'll <laughs> say that much. But my number three is an extremely worthy number three. And my number three is Piotr Jan. Um, Piotr Jan would easily be the Habib of Bantamweight if it wasn't for Aljamain Sterling, if we're being honest. I mean, when... Piotr was champion, and even on his run up to the title, nobody came close, really. You know, nobody did. The closest match that he had was my boy Corey Sanhagen, always and forever. But even Corey, you know, it wasn't a, an overly competitive fight, and I love Corey Sanhagen. But Piotr Jan is such a difficult fighter to fight. You know, he's tough. He is that high boxing guard. You know, you very rarely ever out-wrestle him. You don't ever out-strike him. And if it wasn't for Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan would rule that division for as long as he wanted to. On that criteria and on everything we've been saying, I think Piotr Jan's easily a podium on this ranking. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. So here's where Keelan's going to love my pick for number three. Uh, I have Stipe Miocic at number three. Oh, God. <laughs> And I stand by that. I firmly stand by that. I really do think he would still be champion if Francis Ngannou didn't knock him out. And also Francis Ngannou, I still think would beat Cyril Ghana. I think he had a completely blown out knee in there. So his movement was also limited and stuff like that. Um, and the other reason Cyril Ghana would make my list, but he's going to be too busy being laid out by Tai Tuivasa in September. So I'm going to let that say where it is. All right. Um, anyways, Steve Bate, number three, so well-rounded. Heavyweight goat has to be. Um, I think he beats John Jones if that fight ever happens. I stand by that. I am such a big Steve Bay fan. And yeah, he's a little bit older, but the last fight we saw was against Francis Ngannou. Before that, the DC trilogy was unreal. He had just been, he's such a well rounded fighter. I'm still a big believer yeah, in Steve yeah. Bay. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Okay. Who are those three fighters you just named? You said DC, you said Steve and you said Ngannou. Yeah. Those are all old people. They're, they're not oh, going to survive. Ngannou is going to be the champ for a while. Ngannou is just a menace. He, he's, now he's got wrestling. 
<laughs> yeah, until Super Gold. No. Hunter hates old people. You heard it here first. <laughs> Keep on that Island podcast. Yeah, I guess so. Look, Stipe beat Cyril Gone easy with the wrestling and everything. Stipe would absolutely beat Cyril Gone easy. I'd love to oh, see that fight. I, I would so. love to see I think that. so. He lost the first two rounds. Come on. <laughs> he lost the first two rounds. Yeah, he couldn't move. Um, anyways, yes, Stipe Miocic, number three for me. I stand firmly behind that on the podium, Stipe. Ooh, okay. Yeah. On the podium Stipe. Just we're get, we're just getting started, by the way, with my list. Yeah, we're, we're just, just getting, getting started. started. Honestly, yeah. I think at least our ones and twos are gonna be somewhat like reasonable. My number two is Colby Covington. Okay. That's I think really, I think that's a fair that's really shout. Yeah. I think yeah. Colby Covington brought the fight to the pound for pound champion of the world twice and almost came out on top both times. I mean, first time he was stopped, don't get me wrong, but it was a close competitive fight. Second time, some people have Colby Covington winning the fight. So, I mean, I don't have it personally, but yeah. some people do. Colby Covington is easily the second best welterweight in the world. He could easily be the champion right now. There's no one in the welterweight division who wrestles like Kobe, Cody, Colby. Um, there's nobody who has cardio like Colby. I mean, there's very few people who can even have the same strike output as Colby. So, I have Colby at number two. I don't think there's very many people in the world, pound for pound, who could beat Colby Covington. I like that. I do like that a lot. My number two, <clears throat> excuse me, my number two is Max Holloway. Oh, no, wow. I know this is a, I know this is a little bit higher, and I understand why you guys have him lower. But I still think if it weren't for Volkanovski, Holloway would be ripping through that division at will. I absolutely do. I don't think Josh Emmett would give him any real trouble, even though I respect Josh Emmett. I think, you know, we saw what he did to Yair Rodriguez. We saw him completely rip Brian Ortega to pieces. You know, I don't need to go through Max Holloway's resume. Everybody knows how great he is. You know, he's easily on the podium of the greatest featherweights of all time. He's always around the pound-for-pound rankings as well because he's that damn good. And overall, he is still an amazing fighter. Now, Volks is the featherweight goat now. We know that and we know why. But Max is still an amazing fighter, and I do think he will move up to 55. The only thing I'm going to say about Holloway before I move on to here in Jack's number two, the point about moving up to lightweight, he needs to pack on more muscle for 55. The skinny frame works really well for 45 because he still retains power with the slim frame. But the one thing we saw when he fought Dustin Poirier at um, lightweight even though he is boxing is brilliant, and even though he tags people, there's no power behind it because there's no muscle to deliver the power. If Holloway, I'm not saying I want him like Conor McGregor looks like now. I don't want him to look like a gorilla. I'm just saying if he bulks up a bit and he gets a bit more muscle on his frame, I think you'd see a renewed Max Holloway at 155. I like that. I like that a lot. That's absolutely respectable. Max Holloway deserves to be on the list, and and I, I agree. So uh, this is another one that I think we're all going to be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Piotr Gon, number two. This has been a very civil round compared to the last one. And, and the mm-hmm. la- I know for sure the number one round won't be civil. But this is our last little calm round here. Because, um, yeah, Piotr Gon 100% deserves to be on the list. And in my opinion, look, I stand by. I really do think he beat Aljamain Sterling the second time. I really do. Uh, I, I, think, I think he wins rounds three through five or maybe I'm mixing him up, but the fight that he didn't get taken, the rounds he didn't get taken down on, he won. And that was three out of the, out of the five. So I, I still think he won those, uh, those rounds. Um, and he's a great fighter. I mean, just look at pure. I think he, look what we did to, to Corey Sanhagen. 
uh, all the other people we fought. I'm not even going to list them off. All the other people we Uriah fought. Uriah Faber. Uriah, look, Jose Aldo, literally everybody. And every single fighter goes in there thinking, okay, we're going to fight Pierre Young. We have a specific game plan. And every single fight, they come out and they're just like, what happened? Pierre Young is just that good. He's like the Terminator in there, processes, and then executes throughout the rest of the fight. Um, I honestly think... Wow, he's definitely not out of the, the bantamweight title picture. He's not even in retreat mode right now. He needs another fight. He's right back in that title conversation for me. So Pierre Yon absolutely deserves to be in this list. Number two for me. Uh, number two for you. Number one for me, Peter Yon. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think Yon is, is the best MMA fighter that's not champion right now. Yeah. Only on the sole base because I think he should be champion right now. What those two events that the two the two Sterling fights there. <clears throat> yeah. They're so they're so yeah. difficult to talk about with fans because <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, Aljamain Sterling beat him in both the fights. Yes, on paper, but you got to realize everything that wasn't on paper. I mean, Jan's corner was not there for the second yes. fight. Yeah, Jan was not able to keep a level head. I mean, he didn't know what. I mean, even without a corner, it was still a controversial win for Aljamain Sterling. I have him. I have him. That even on an every every day that's not controversial, Peter Yan wins the fight 10 out of 10 times. I don't think there's anyone in the bantamweight division other than maybe Sean O'Malley who could beat Peter <laughs> Yan. All right. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to sneak that in, boys. I don't think Sean. Cody Garbrandt, too, though, right? Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think Peter Yan is the best. Uh, like Jack has said in the very many previous podcasts, I won't believe Peter Yan can be beat until someone can show me that they can't beat Peter Yan. What uh, Aljamain Sterling showed me in those last two fights is that he could barely survive against uh, against Peter Yan. And in the first one, he didn't survive against Peter Yan. Must be simple. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Peter Young. Yep, I like it. There's a reason I had Yan so highly up. I actually think we have him three, two, and one. I yeah. Mean, yeah. That. You know, it's really weird. But yeah, I agree with every um, argument you've made. I mean... Sterling is the champion, and I think he deserves his respect for that. But every argument you said, I absolutely agree with. I have no counterance to that. My number one is Colby Covington, and I have quite a few reasons for this. You know, Kamaru Usman is considered in quite a few circles, not Volkanovsky circles, to be the greatest pound-for-pound fighter on planet Earth right now. And the only fighter who's ever given him any trouble is Colby Covington. Now, the first fight, Usman was losing until he knocked him out. That's, I, I think we can all agree on that. The second fight, even though Colby Covington started terribly and got knocked down, there was still an argument that he won the fight. And if you can be in that situation and make it to the end and still make an argument that you won that fight, that tells me that you are a truly great fighter. And if it weren't for Kamaru Usman, do you really think anybody would beat Colby Covington in that division? Not a chance. Colby Covington is, for me, the best pound-for-pound fighter to not be champion right now. And I think the fact that Kamaru Usman is the champion proves it. That's a great one. That's a great one. Um, so, number one for me, welterweight as well. But I think someone who will beat Colby Covington very soon. And the one person I didn't mention. Yes, CM Punk. Uh, Yeah, solely based off the last fight, Sean O'Malley. The the eye poke was magnificent. Um, (laughs) Anyways, I got uh, Hamzat Chumayev, number one for me. I still think. uh, Yes, I do. On paper right here. I still do. I think this guy is going to be 
at least I really think he could be champion one day, very soon, potentially. I think he is still one of the scariest guys ever. I think the Gilbert Burns fight, just like, honestly, I think it does wonders for him because Gilbert Burns gave him such a test, yet he still came out on top in a firefight. And also in that fight, he wasn't fighting smart at all. He was just trying to knock his head off for three rounds and threw like 300 punches in that fight. If his corner had told him to slow down a little bit and take him down, which is what he talked about afterwards, like in the future, he's not going to be so reckless. He could have easily won that fight, in my opinion. He In the first round, he had him down easy. And Gilbert Burns is not an easy guy to take down. Chimaev is so scary. He's massive for welterweight. And I really think he is the top prospect in all of the UFC right now. And I really think he is my number one pound-for-pound non-champion fighter right now. Uh, even though it is so young in his career and everything like that, I stand by that. I think Hamza Chimaev is going to just cruise not Cruz, but just eventually work his way up. And I, I, I really think he's going to be that good. Now, will I eat my words come this Colby fight? Maybe, but uh, I, I stand by this for now. Number one. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I do have to say, uh, just a quick question for both of you guys. Yeah, Did you guys sure. both not have Dustin Poirier? I had him 11. 11. Yeah. 11. Okay. I had him five. Oh, you did kill him. It was bad. just me. It was just me, which okay. is, Shocking, honestly. I so had, good. I was. I can't believe you had Stipe at number three. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. As soon as you were like, oh, you can't put him in your top 10, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Look, look, don't get me wrong. I love Stipe <laughs> Miocic, but we can't, we can't judge him off of his, we can't judge him off the last three or four years. We have to stay in the here and now. If we're judging. Oh, one loss. That's only, that's his only loss was to Nganu, like recently. Yeah, that, that's True. literally it. That's the only True. loss. I, I like him. Here's, here's I don't... the thing with Stipe for me. He's not the best at anything in his division other than fight IQ, I feel like. Yeah. He's not the best striker. He's not the best wrestler. He's not the best grappler. Doesn't have the best cardio. But I think he has the best fight IQ. Does yeah, Aspinall has... have a better fight IQ? What's no, up? Not yet. Aspinall? No, not he hasn't yet. fought the level of competition Stipe he, has yet. I can't. He will get up there, but not yet. Stipe's been there and done that. I, I just think Stipe is so good because he has such a fight IQ and then like his 80 overall and everything else, in my opinion, if that makes sense, which gives him such an advantage. Like, um, anyways. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that's done for that topic. Now we'll, we'll let that sit there again. Another comment. Let us know what you think about our picks. Who, who do you disagree with? Um, what would you change? Did we not include anyone? Probably I should have included Dustin Poirier, but I wanted to get Tom Aspinall on there. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Dustin Poirier. I love you. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the predictions. We have a fight night. Yeah, you're Rodriguez. Brian Ortega, Long Island. Hunter, who wins it? Guys, this is such a tough one. I'm going to explain why, too. Yeah. This is such a tough one because this is the best striker in the featherweight division versus the best grappler in the featherweight division. And I feel like it's not even close. I mean, I think Holloway is one of the best strikers, and I think yeah. Volkanovski is one of the best strikers. But they have, like, fight IQ behind them. And I'm not saying that the other fighters don't. I'm just saying that their pure ability is so unbelievably well. I mean, Brian Ortega trains with the Gracies. Yair Rodriguez is an absolute – he's a puzzle to solve. You yeah. don't know what he's going to throw at any moment. He, he can go for a rolling thunder and get back up and still go for, like, three high kicks in a row. I mean, this guy's a crazy. And you don't know when he's going to end the fight either. He ended in the last second of the last round, round five, against the Korean Zombie. But he's just as good – and his cardio is just as good to last him to the fifth round like we saw against Max Holloway. So – I'm going to go Yair Rodriguez on this one, boys. I love it. I know I he's the it. underdog. I think what he has – I think his ground game is better than Brian Ortega's stand-up game. 
which I think is going to be all the difference in this fight. I think Yair Rodriguez's durability will also very much prove a factor in this fight. Brian Ortega seems when the more hurt he gets, you could tell because he starts slowing down and he looks a little bit defeated through those rounds. Yeah, he has seconds of glory, though. Brian Ortega, I mean, gave the diffus, I think the most difficult challenge to the current champ right now, but only for like a few seconds at a time, right? I mean, if we're being honest yeah. here, yeah. maybe two minutes of the entire 25 minutes fight, Brian Ortega was in control. But that doesn't mean Brian Ortega still can't end the fight because he has before. I mean, you look at his last like five fights, he like is losing most of them until he goes for that submission and gets the submission win. So I can't tell you how close this is on paper, boys, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think Yair Rodriguez wins round two TKO. I like that. <clears throat> I do like that. And Hunter, do you want to tell them why that's the case? I'm oh, setting it up oh for you. Oh my gosh, you're slacking. I mean, I can't, we can't be doing that because you guys know why. It's because what the boss says goes, baby. Let's go! <laughs> I hate that I set that up. Love it. Love you it. know what? I have my boy. Yeah. Out yeah. And I actually agree with him. I see I genuinely do. But it's not the way that Hunter thinks. I actually think, I think it will be a knockout, but I think it will be a very particular sequence knockout. I think, yeah, I think Brian Ortega is actually going to initially outbox Yair Rodriguez because to his credit, Ortega's boxing has gotten a hell of a lot better. I mean, after the Holloway fight, we know it had to, but it got a lot better, it has to be said. Here's the problem with Ortega, though. I think Brian Ortega is going to get uh, Yair Rodriguez against the fence, and Yair is going to blast out of nowhere with some violent attacks against Ortega. I think he's going to bust out some elbows, and I think he's going to throw a lot of knees as well. I think one of those strikes is going to catch Ortega, and it's going to put him down, and he's not going to get up from it. And I think the one phrase I agree most with Hunter there is that Yair's stand-up is better. His stand-up game is better than Ortega's ground game. If you put them both together, I think the stand-up game comes out on top. And I think Ortega will want to try and prove a point by standing up as well. So for me, I think Yair Rodriguez does get this done. I think it will be quite a big upset in terms of the name he's fighting. I think on paper, we all know this is a much closer fight than people think it is. But I do think, I'm actually going to say first round knockout. I like the second round prediction, but I'm going to go with the first round because we keep it bold. We keep it eventful on the MMA Island podcast. And guys, do you know why I think Yaya Rodriguez is going to win? Do you know why I've got the shocked face of Jack and the perplexed face of Hunter? Because when you want to know where it's at, you listen to the Mac. Not as good as Hunter's, but I'll take it. It's poetic. It's poetic. I love it. Um, to be honest, guys, I'm in shock right now because I thought going into this, in fact, I was 99% sure I was going to be the only one on here to pick Yair Rodriguez. Well, it turns out all of us are picking Yair Rodriguez. And I, I honestly am tempted to change my pick to Brian Ortega because it is such a close fight. However, I'm sticking to it. We're all going to agree for the main event. We're all going up. We're all going down on this one. It's such a bold pick, but I... I agree with you guys. I think that a lot of it has to do, and this is weird, but I think Yair Rodriguez, his best performance was against Max Holloway whenever he lost. 
his cardio improved so much from the last time I had seen him. And he was out there blasting leg kicks and actually landing against Max. He was, it was not the Calvin Carey performance. Obviously he lost, but he was not out of it at any point during the fight. And he was never really hurt that bad either. Brian Ortega, I think, I th- here's what I think is going to happen. I think, yeah, your Rodriguez is going to win by a decision. Brian Ortega is extremely tough to finish. But what's going to happen is, yeah, your Rodriguez is, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't go with necessarily the best stand-up in the division because I think Max and Volkanovski are so good. I would go with the best uh, kicking game in the division for sure. And I think he's going to be blasting leg kicks against Brian Ortega. And that's going to slow Ortega down. And Ortega's just going to look fatigued because he's, he's going to be moving so slow. And then with that comes more strikes over the top. And then we start getting the shell lockup defense of Brian Ortega. Another big thing, a big key to this fight. And again, we're describing this. We're all picking Yair Rodriguez. This is a 51-49 fight for me. It is right there. It is extremely close. And we're all picking the underdog here, which is also interesting. Never happens on the podcast. Yair Rodriguez, I think, is just having that it factor right now. I think he's riding more momentum off of that loss than Brian Ortega is after fighting Volkanovski because he gave his all against Volkanovski. And I don't mean like he put all of his effort in because he did that as well. What I mean is he should have finished. He would have finished anyone else with those with the, both the triangle and the guillotine. And he wasn't able to get either, which is he was so, as good as he could have been. He was as good as he could have been. And it's so demoralizing. So it's like, where do you go after that? And now you're facing a guy who's never had a test like that before in his career. And he was tested by, other than Volkanovsky, the best of the best. And he stood his own. And he had a cardio to the fifth round. That's got to be so empowering for Yair Rodriguez. He's got such good striking. I think he's just going to slow Brian Ortega down. Might lose a couple rounds here and there. But I think he's mainly just going to pick pick his way to victory. And again, you guys all said it. I agree with you. Yeah, you Rodriguez. You can't sleep him on, sleep on him on the ground either. He's not going to be just an easy tap out for Brian Ortega. And on the feet, there is a clear advantage. Last point before I guess we wrap it up. Um, Brian Ortega is a ridiculous grappler, best jujitsu in the division, but he is not a wrestler. And Yair Rodriguez struggles with wrestlers, not necessarily with grapplers. He can stand his own, in my opinion, with Brian Ortega on the ground. What's what's difficult and why he he would get demolished by Volkanovski is whenever the actual takedown of wrestling comes into play, that's when he gets exhausted and all that. Brian Ortega is not that. So another thing I think goes to to Yair Rodriguez slightly. I have him by decision. I'm shocked we all picked Yair Rodriguez, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, guys. It is. Um, what I see happen happening this fight, at least I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down just as yeah. I can. Yeah. Um, just I'm, gonna, because, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, like, why not, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is what I think is gonna happen during this fight. I think the first round, Yair is gonna start kind of fighting on the outside like he usually does, but against Holloway, he started out pretty strong and he started out pretty fast. And I think he'll do the same thing against Ortega, though very few body kicks as opposed to leg and head kicks. Yes. I think that's what's gonna be here. Because body kicks open up, opens up the takedown for Brian Ortega here. And you don't want to do that against Brian Ortega. So Yair Rodriguez is going to blast that leg for the first two minutes. And then come minute three, almost on the dot, he's going to change it to the head kick. Wobbles Brian Ortega, I think. I don't think he finishes them that, then. I think Brian Ortega is good enough to survive the waters for the first round. But come the second round, I don't even think he'll be able to barely stand at that head kick knockout. I think round two, Yair Rodriguez takes the turn to the worst, and he starts 
pummeling, pummeling, and pummeling. And Brian Ortega, he's going to start reaching for that takedown, yeah. but he's not going to get it because Yair Rodriguez is going to fire a knee up the middle. Boom, puts it down on the canvas. Then ref stops it prematurely, I think. <laughs> I, love I, mean, I love it. I love it. That's a very impressive play-by-play. I like it a lot, Hunter. You know you always bring it, and I respect that. Now, how do I see it playing out? Because you know what? What the hell? We do this anyway. We keep it casual on the MMA Island podcast. We keep the breakdowns relevant and fresh. And I I do see something quite similar. Um, I do still think it will be, yeah, you're blasting out of nowhere. But I think the leg kicks are going to be the single biggest important aspect of this fight. And the reason I think that is this, you know, if you're tr- if you're in naval warfare and you're trying to knock out a battleship, you can't hit it while it's moving. You got to knock it out of commission and then hit it basically a static target. Brian Ortega's movement is very, very good generally. But Yair Rodriguez's leg kicks. I mean, we saw the photos of Max Holloway's legs after their fight and it made for pretty grim viewing. I think you will agree. I think if he hammers those leg kicks throughout the first round, I think Holloway will become more and more hobbled, or not Holloway, Ortega. I think Ortega will become more and more hobbled and his movement will become drastically limited as the round goes on. Now, I think what's going to happen is those leg kicks are going to start taking a big impact quickly. I think Ortega is going to try and push forward recklessly, realizing that his legs are compromised. I think he's going to push forward, overextend himself, And I think we might see a Matt Brown type elbow that just knocks Ortega unconscious. I think with Ortega as well, one of the things that I remember from the Holloway fight is that his leg defense is not that great. And especially against someone like Yaya Rodriguez, you've got to protect those legs or you're done for. And if his legs are compromised, he will jump out of desperation and he will be there to be hit. So for me, I think Yaya Rodriguez is going to play this very smart. I think he's going to chop the legs, get him out of commission, and then bring the the closing curtain in and finish uh, Brian Ortega. Yeah, no, I I love that. I love that. Also, real quick, if you want the facts, you listen to Jack. Forgot to do it earlier. Um, not (laughs) anyways. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I love the technical breakdowns, by the way. So I guess I'll do one too to to round it off. Right, all a little bit technical. I agree with both the things that you guys said. I think another key factor, and, and Hunter, your point about him not being – he's going to be aggressive but not being stupid with his strikes. Body kicks, and I also don't think he's going to be throwing a lot of spinning strikes as well, Yeah, you're Rodriguez, at least to start out the fight. I think spinning strikes open up you know, takedowns or opportunities for, for Ortega to get in there. Later in the fight when Ortega's vision's a little bit wonky, yeah, he'll mix it in, but not, not to begin with, I don't think. What I think is going to happen is and, – and usually, Brian Ortega is amazing out of the clinch situation. However, this is honestly, I think, probably the biggest surprise for me in this fight, what, what it's going to be. I think Yair Rodriguez is going to win the clinch set situation, especially on the cage, because of his elbows. Yair Rodriguez has these sneaky elbows. I mean, look at the Korean zombie knockout. Look at anything. Whenever he's in the clinch, he's always throwing elbows and all sorts of weird stuff. And I think that's going to throw Ortega for a bit of a loop because it's so quick and everything. He's going to be able to escape. So I think where Ortega usually likes to hold his opponents, throw big uppercuts and everything like we saw against Frank Yeager and, and, and really outbox his opponent out of the clinch. I think Yair Rodriguez is going to be one of the few people that's going to be able to neutralize that because of his one speed, but also the fact that he's going to be throwing these just sneaky elbows that don't necessarily hurt, but are going to cut open Brian Ortega because they're slicing. So that, along with everything else you guys said, leg kicks, obviously, just uh, overall 
Brian Ortega is not going to be as fast as Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez is lightning quick, plus the elbows. And yeah, I agree with you guys. Love the breakdown. Great podcast, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Again, everyone, thank you so much for listening and great podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone.